Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Anti Culture. This is our fifth season. I'm your host, Josiah Sinanen, and as a culturally ambiguous Canadian, I am fascinated by the way we perceive and navigate cultural identity. Everyone has a different meaning of that term, but when I was growing up, especially because I come from a mixed race background, I always was jealous of people that could fit into a nice, neat box and have easy to identify identifiers. But what I quickly realized as I grew up is that there's so much more to cultural identity, there's so much more to what shapes our perception of the world around us, and people are hesitant to ask those questions because we kind of put that initial identifier on someone and assume the rest. So on this show, I'd like to challenge that concept. I interview guests that come from all walks of life, be it political, celebrity, local, international, and I try to discover the common threads that we all share with one another as a collective. Not only that, but I try to get to the root of our stories so that we can better empathize and retrain our minds to ask the caring questions we all want to be asked. Rather than keeping each other in our boxes with our assumptions, we have an opportunity to discover compassion and remove our bias from our perceptions of one another. This week on the show, I'm really excited because I get to cover a topic I've been wanting to cover for a long time on the program, and that is the subculture of the elderly. That's right, our senior citizens, life in a quote-unquote old folks home, and the misconceptions that we as a society have about this often ignored group. I'm sitting down this week with cultural anthropologist and documentarian Dominique Keller, whose latest project, Love, The Last Chapter, chronicles the experience of love in a senior's facility. For the film, Keller literally moved in and became a resident at an old folks home and our insights resulted in something truly beautiful. I moved into the room and closed the door and it, it's actually been one of the most terrifying moments of my life. <laughs> I was like overwhelmed with emotion and illogical emotions like will my family ever come and visit me here? Is this it? Is this the end? Am I, am I going to be able to make friends? Am I going to be able to fit in? Are people even going to accept me? Uh, it, was, it was terrifying and humbling. And I really think that that moment helped to inform the rest of my filming process and how I approached my subjects and also allowed me to have a deep understanding of what it means without actually being there uh, to move into a senior's residence and to, to enter that last chapter of your life. Before we get to the show, I wanted to mention that Anticulture is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Discover more shows on the network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Today's show in particular is brought to you by PodPower. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout-out to Is This For Real? Is This For Real is a podcast about various facets of Black life in Edmonton. In the first season of the show, Breaking the Blue Wall, Host Omar Salifo explores anti-Black racism and policing and tells stories about policing in schools, accountability in Alberta's policing system, and the impacts of police violence on Black Edmontonians. You can listen to the podcast and read more about each episode at isthisforreal.ca. You can also support the work of these podcasters and future seasons on Patreon. We're also giving a shout out to the Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Many people don't call their optometrist first for urgent eye care when they need it. 
From spring cleaning mishaps to winter eye infections, if you or your family have an eye emergency, doctors of optometry are trained to diagnose, treat, and prescribe medications. No referral necessary. And just a reminder, Alberta Health Coverage is available towards your urgent eye care appointment. To find an optometrist in your area, visit optometrists.ab.ca. Perhaps it's because we're adverse to thinking about our own deaths, or perhaps it's because we don't visually see much of the elderly that we tend to dismiss and certainly box in this group as a collective. I challenge you this episode to allow your mindset to expand and consider what it might mean to think more about the elderly around us. I'm excited to introduce Dominique Keller and highlight her film, Love the Last Chapter, and talk more about what senior citizen love looks like, what senior citizens' relationships look like, what they might be thinking in their day-to-day lives. And something that's worth considering is that we all are going to be in a similar situation one day. So I found this episode super eye-opening. I found her documentary to be fascinating, beautiful, funny, entertaining, and it made me think a lot of deep thoughts. So without further ado, here is the inside scoop all about the elderly and our seniors with Calgary filmmaker and cultural anthropologist Dominique Keller. I hope you enjoy. Dominique Keller, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, This is the week of your movie's premiere here in Calgary. How are you feeling about everything? Well, I'm very excited to see the film on the big screen and um, also really interested to see how the audience receives it. Definitely. Is this kind of, I know you've done so many documentaries, but is this your first NFB premiere? No, I made another short film with the NFB a few years back. So it's not my first NFB premiere, um, but it is my first feature length documentary. So I guess that's the first for this one. That's really exciting. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So why don't you give us a bit of an introduction for those of you who might be seeing the film this week or maybe haven't seen your other films. Let us know how you got into filmmaking. I got into filmmaking a long time ago. And how did I get in? I mean, my background in school is in cultural anthropology. Oh, cool. Yeah, what drove me, what interested me in cultural anthropology was just this a chance to go and and immerse myself in other worlds and to live with other people and a chance to see into their lives. And after I got out of school, I realized that documentary filmmaking is a really practical application of that. And certainly my entire career, I've had the good fortune of, of this unique experience of I get to go in, I get to really live people's lives, really get to know them in a way that in in other parts of life you just don't have permission to do yeah it almost creates this like medium for you that gives you that permission because otherwise how would that happen you know yeah it's not like you can walk up to somebody and say hey can I follow you all the time can I go into your home can I ask you your deepest thoughts can I go with your work um so as a documentary filmmaker we really get that opportunity which is it's amazing it's like a little adventure in everyday life that's super cool. And are you are you originally from Calgary? Yes, I was born and raised here. I've lived all over the world. I've spent years in Europe and Asia, but I always come back to Calgary, surprisingly enough. Yeah. What do you like about the city? I love what I love about Calgary. I mean, my family's here, but as well, I love that this is a city of possibility. Mm-hmm. And 
anything can happen in Calgary. It's very unpredictable. It's like a book that hasn't been written. And I love that about this city. And as well, it's close to the mountains, which makes it just a perfect place to live. Yeah, that's that's perfectly said by a cultural anthropologist. I love that analogy. So tell us about um, this film that's premiering this week, Love, The Last Chapter. How is this one different than the other film projects you've been a part of? So Love, The Last Chapter is a documentary that I filmed in 2019, and it is set in a senior's facility. And it's an observational film. So what that means is there's no narration, there's no um, voiceover. I didn't do any classic sit down interviews with my subjects. Really what I did was I just immersed myself in that um, resonance. And by immersed myself, I mean, I got myself a room. They allowed me to get a room and I moved into the seniors residence and ate all my meals there and participated in all the activities, bingo, sit aerobics, pub night, you name it. I went, I participated as a resident. So that, that documentary, this documentary that's uh, premiering this week is very unique in that it's a true immersive experience. And I believe the film that comes out has this uh, amazing access that I never would have gotten had I not uh, chosen to live there. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the thing that caught my attention the most. I thought that was so fascinating that you actually moved in. How long were you actually living in the seniors residence? So I filmed on and off over a year and a half, but the actual moving in and living there was one month. Okay, wow. And did you feel like you were a duck out of water? Like, how did you manage to integrate in the community and build trust? Yeah, for sure. I was a duck out of water when I first (laughs) moved in there. (laughs) <laughs> I, I didn't have any friends. Everybody was giving me the side eye. <laughs> young lady in here. Um, but you know what? It's amazing. After, you know, participating in all the activities and eating my meals there, I really started to feel like I became another one of the residents. And um, I did start to make friends and find my way. Yeah. Did you, was it kind of like um, people were confused or was, was there like an announcement that you would be moving in? There was an announcement that I'd be moving in. There's a town hall uh, once a month that was announced then. But I don't think people really got it until this strange lady was sitting down in the dining hall every single day, taking every single meal with them. Right. And then walking around the uh, residence with my camera. And I I know that I started a lot of uh, gossip when I first moved in there, (laughs) for sure. I was very interested in what I was doing and why. But after a few weeks, I got boring to people and I just became another resident, just a strange resident with a camera. Right. That's so interesting. And for the film, you are focusing on something that I think is so different. Like I would have never conceptualized this, but you're following couples specifically. You're focusing on elderly love. And I'm curious how you got to a place where, like, how did you come up with that idea? And why did you decide to focus on love in the senior's home? One of my earlier documentaries, uh, I followed my grandma. She's one of the oldest uh, people in Alberta. I think the oldest person in Alberta to get her driver's license. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was my first film following older adults. And when I was filming with my grandma, I also spent a lot of time with their friends and I would listen to them talk. And it really just struck me that the difference between an 80-year-old isn't that much Hmm. between, you know, a 30-year-old and an 80-year-old. 
and especially when they would talk about love and romance and their issues with their husbands and I was like yeah you know what this is an area that nobody even thinks about and and often people don't want to go there they don't want to think about love and intimacy in the later years of life and that fascinated me to the point where I came up with this idea of uh, looking at couples later in life who live in seniors residences. Yeah, that's really cool. And I read something um, when you did a previous interview about this film and you were just kind of explaining the, the ups and downs and the hard parts of actually moving into that facility. Can you walk us through what you were feeling that first week maybe where you started, you know, sleeping in the bed and eating the meals what were you what were you going through? What were you processing? That was such a strange experience because I didn't expect myself to have a, an emotional reaction at all to moving into my room in the seniors residence. I was mostly just focused on, you know, get my camera, get my batteries, get myself organized, pack my bag, rushing to get there. I did the orientation. And then I moved into the room and closed the door. And it, it's actually been one of the most terrifying moments of my life. Hmm. I was like overwhelmed with emotion and illogical emotions. Like, will my family ever come and visit me here? Wow. Is this it? Is this the end? Am I, am I going to be able to make friends? Am I going to be able to fit in? Are people even going to accept me? Uh, it, was, it was terrifying and humbling. And I really think that that moment helped to inform the rest of my filming process and how I approached my subjects and also allowed me to have a, a deep understanding of what it means without actually being there uh, to move into a senior's residence and to, to enter that last chapter of your life. Wow. And as a cultural anthropologist, is it important to have moments like that so that you can operate out of empathy or is the art kind of more like you don't want to get too emotionally attached? I mean, you've got classical journalism where it is this idea of staying uh, separate from your subject and remain maintaining that um, uh, observational distance. Uh, as documentary filmmakers, we're looking for that that bigger truth, not so much those hard fact truths. So it's a it's a different. It does move more into art, and for that reason, I do think that that's super critical to have that empathy and to have that understanding for anyone that you're filming with but for me yeah it was it was a key moment do do I always have those moments when I make documentaries no (laughs) thank goodness (laughs) because it was a hard moment but I think it's an important moment how did you end up choosing the couples that you do feature in the film? Did you just kind of walk around and think, okay, like who's in a relationship here and who's the most interesting or what, what led you to the couples that you specifically highlight? Uh, some of it, I got some help from uh, the manager at the residence. She would kind of point me in a certain direction. And then the other strategic thing I did was everybody originally was assigned to a table to have lunch. And so you'd have your assigned table, but um, we decided not to assign me to a table for every meal that I would just roam from table to table and ask people if I could sit with them and eat a meal with them. And that was, you know, some people were happy to have me at their table. Some people hated having me at their table, (laughs) but that's how I made the key connections, just eating lunch or eating dinner with the different residents and then asking, 
who's in a relationship? Where are the new romances? And then people would start pointing me their way. And that's how I eventually found these couples that I filmed with. Did this experience remind you of any other phase of life? Like, I think what you're just talking about now, it makes me think so much of like being in elementary school and kind of like, or even middle school and just kind of knowing what's going on around you and sitting with different people. Is it the same kind of vibe at an elderly facility or what's different about it? No, a lot of the residents do mention that jokingly that when they enter into a senior's residence, they feel like they're going back to grade six with all the rules <laughs> and the table assignments <laughs> So it's an experience that certainly people have related to me that it's very familiar for them. And for me as well, there was some familiarity to being in elementary school. I, I don't know what that says about um, our society. I, I don't have a better way to organize a, a senior's facility because you do need to you do need to do all the same things. You need to keep track of people. You need to have a system that you make sure if someone's fallen down in their room, well, how do you, how do you know that they're they're okay? Well, they came down for lunch. And if they don't come down for lunch, you go and check on them. So it, it, it is set up in the same way in that people are being um, looked out for in a very institutional type system. So it creates a lot of the same rules and systems that we experienced in elementary school. So the particular um, elderly facility that you chose to stay at, did you ask them for permission or how did you bridge that conversation? I actually came, um, I approached uh, the government of Alberta, uh, Alberta Health and explained my documentary project through a contact I had in there. And they um, eventually shuffled me through the system and helped me to find a seniors residence that was willing to take me on as a documentary filmmaker. And I'm, I'm so grateful to Silvera and to Aspen Silvera particularly for allowing me to film in their facility because I think that was a great risk for them to take. One of the critical points of the movie that I thought was so fascinating is there is actually a marriage scene. And I thought this is like perfect timing for, for you to be filming this because it was just such a uh, striking moment in the film. Do you think that people will be surprised um, that there are elderly couples choosing commitment at this time in their lives? I don't know how people are going to react to that or how they react to that. Certainly the marriage was was very fortuitous that that happened while I was there, that uh, Jim and Diane decided to get married. When, when I was first meeting with them, they said they might get married and I was like crossing my fingers that they would, but you know, you don't have any control over these things. Um, it, it is interesting to watch a marriage on, in, the, in that last chapter of life because all of those things that we attach to marriage, like, you know, having children or, um, you know, this kind of starting a new family, starting a new life. It's, it doesn't, it's a different thing when you're getting married in your 70s. It was still so sweet and you could see so much of their um, excitement to spend time together and to, to connect with one another. And I think that's right at the heart of the documentary is like, it doesn't matter what your age is, that grasping for love and to be loved just never ever goes away and in that marriage moment you really see that those emotions that Jim and Diane feel are not very different from the emotions of a new couple in their 20s getting married. 
Yeah, I think it's a really interesting por- portion because it almost, it made me question what um, commitment means and why we value those things as a society. Um, because I think to a lot of people, it would be like, okay, well, you know, this is, this is literally the last chapter and you're still choosing commitment. Do you think that was kind of a, a deeper um, a deeper importance for them? Or do you think it was more symbolic for them? Like, what's your interpretation of that? You know, I asked them why. Why are you guys getting married in your 70s? What's the point? <laughs> and they said it's an accomplishment, which I thought was an interesting answer. And I, I was like, an accomplishment? Yeah, like we did something together. And... I think, okay, well, yeah, marriage is an accomplishment. It's saying to the world, I managed to find somebody. I want to tell the world that I have this special person and I've accomplished this in life, I guess, is what they're saying. Yeah, I think it's really important to see those moments because um, another thing that I saw that you mentioned too is that, you know, the, the need for human connection, the need for love even it doesn't just go away when you enter your old age. It, it almost becomes more important because you lose a lot when you move into a senior's facility. But kind of the thing that you keep is those relationships. Can you comment a little bit on that? Yeah, it's like life becomes a lot simpler. And sometimes I was like super jealous of the people I was filming with because I still had my whole crazy life going on while I was living there and that I would go, you know, one time I there's no internet connection at the seniors residence. And that was like a major trauma for me. <laughs> I was like, ah, how am I going to hook into my computer? And I remember roaming the halls. And then I ended up talking to a lady down the hall from me and she had an internet connection on her computer. And I figured out how to get Wi-Fi to my computer off of her internet. And I just like about did a backflip down the hall because I wanted to be so, because <laughs> I felt so disconnected from life. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm still in my room answering emails and, and living my my society life. But what I observed is so many people living there. I mean, life gets so simple and it's, you know, it does come down to much of your life is revolves around these doctor's appointments. But at the same token, there is so much more space and space for each other, space to think. Um, and what you do with that space, you know, I saw different people doing different things with that space. But I think when you do have time, when you do have your life is more simplified, you're, you're no longer pursuing your career, you're not raising children, or you're done raising your children. What is left, you, you don't have a house, you don't have bills. So all of these things that, you know, right now, I'm so occupied with, they cease to exist. And I think that really brings this one thing to the foreground is like, who cares? Who, who's really invested in whether you get out of bed in the morning? Who's going to call you? Who cares how you're feeling? And it's that need to love and to be loved. That's really the thing that gets left front and center in your life. And so, yes, I think the need for intimacy and love only increases as we age. What do you think that the majority of us are missing about truly understanding the elderly, like an everyday person like me? Oh boy, that's a big question. (laughs) I mean, I think if my documentary subjects would say, you know, like, oh, we're still around. Don't forget about us and don't treat us like children. 
Uh, that's often a theme that that I he heard when I was living there is this need to to continue to be respected and and to have society still look at you and recognize you as a human being and as a valuable member of society. And there are people in there who are actively pursuing uh, volunteer opportunities outside of the facility, and I think that they're you know, th that's really great. There's a, you know, one of the longest time librarians in Calgary, I think she's the longest volunteer, is living at Silvera Aspen and continues to make sure that the residents there have access to books. That's a great example of, of that engagement continuing. And obviously the Calgary Public Library is working to help her to maintain that um, connection to the larger community. And there's other stories like that in there. So it is a, a mix of the individual seeking out these opportunities and then society and people finding ways to help them uh, overcome some of their barriers to being involved. I think it's really interesting what you said earlier too about how when you first moved in, that thought you had was similar. You thought, you know, who's going to call me? Who's going to be my friend? Is anyone going to check up on me? And um, that that was that was really fascinating. And it, it made me kind of sad, too, because it makes you it makes you wonder, like, you know, does it feel like you're you're checking into the last place that you're going to check into when you move into a place like that? And I think it's important that, um, like you said, we remember that that's going on and that these are real people that are with us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't really want to, you know, it's scary to think about an 80 year old Dominique and to think about myself with reduced mobility and to think about myself living in a senior's residence. But the reality is, if I'm lucky, and I don't die before then, I mean, I have no children, that's where I'm going to end up. So <laughs> I might as well, you know, uh, accept that and think about and face it and think about, okay, well, what is it I want then? How is it I want this to play out? How can I be more active in that part of my life so that I can make sure I have the things I need to survive and hopefully thrive in that last chapter? But if I don't think about it, like lots of us just push old people away, don't think about it, don't contemplate it, don't want them in our stories and our media, because it's just too scary. And it makes us think about that ourselves. But I think not thinking about it is probably the worst thing you can do for yourself, because it's coming. Absolutely. What surprised you the most by this film? And what do you think the audience will be most surprised by? Uh, what surprised me the most about this film is how much I learned as a filmmaker making it. This was a challenging film because I've made tons of documentaries, but I've never made a pure observational documentary before. And I really didn't understand how hard that is to do. Because as a filmmaker, you have all these tricks up your sleeve. You can ask questions that will lead your subject in a certain direction and help you to craft and tell the story that you want to tell or you can use music to tell that story, or you can use editing to tell that story. But when you're making an observational film, you don't have interviews to drive the story. You aren't using music to tell people how to feel. Um, you're really avoiding all those fancy editing tricks. And that means just like you and the story that unfolded on the screen. And that was incredibly difficult to put this piece together, but I learned so much about storytelling and the craft of documentary filmmaking that I think it's, it's made me such a better filmmaker. 
I love that. And what made you decide to do the film in that style? What was special about this one that made you decide to try that? It was the experience with the documentary subject speaking about the feeling of not having a voice. And I really didn't want my voice to speak over their voice. I wanted them to have as much of a voice as humanly possible in this documentary. And that's what observational documentary filmmaking is about. It's about being a fly on the wall and just observing what's happening, or at least doing your best <laughs> to be a fly on the wall. And so that's why this documentary is shot in that style. What do you think the, the audience reception will be like? Do you think there's something that will catch us off guard? Do you think people will think it's funny? <laughs> do you think people will be thinking a little deeper about it? What are your, what are your projections? Well, I, you know, I've screened this with a small, few small audiences before COVID. You know, there was some beautiful screenings in Australia and in Vancouver that unfortunately all had to be, I couldn't attend because of COVID, but I have gone to a couple of smaller screenings. And what struck me is, you know, the audience laughing at the funny parts because I thought they were only funny to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then as well, um, I, I'm impressed by the audiences that really bring, this isn't a film that you can sit back and watch and not put some effort into watching. But then after people watch the film, I've been blown away by the depth of what they've seen in the film. People have seen things that I didn't even see in the film or experienced things. And many people speak about confronting their own prejudices while they're watching the film. And that for me as a filmmaker is such a satisfying thing to hear because ultimately that's what this film is aiming to do is, is to invite the audience to really think about how it is you're viewing older adults and how it is you're viewing your own aging. Wow. And are you still in touch with anyone that's still at the facility? Like, do you go visit now regularly? Do you feel like that's part of that's changed for oh, you? Oh, yeah. Well, Ruby texts me probably five times a day. And she likes to text around <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. She's one of the characters. <laughs> that's so, amazing. So we're constantly texting back and forth because she enjoys writing and we'll write little things back and forth and quotes to each other. Um, I speak to uh, George and I speak to Victor. Um, unfortunately, Jim and Diane passed away. So I did have a relationship with them up till they passed. But um, that's also part of it is, you know, Doreen passed away while we were filming the film and, hmm. and slowly I'm, I am losing some of these documentary subjects. Do you think that you'll continue to be involved in, in seniors facilities in some way moving forward? Or is this kind of like, you know, I invested here and that's my focus and I got to move on to the next project? You know, I am continuing to be fascinated by old age, death and dying. And uh, I do have a project in the works right now where I'm looking at um, senior, how other countries are managing older adults and this idea of how, how other countries are looking at maintaining their independence while still ensuring that they're safe. And so I have a documentary um, that I'm just in development on that uh, hopefully I'll be able to travel and do some research this uh, winter. And so, yeah, the topic continues to interest me. And it's not that I'm closed to other topics, but it's such a rich area that I anticipate more docs coming. Let us know how we can access the project. So it's premiering this week um, on Wednesday at the Globe Cinema here in Calgary, but are people able to access the film in other ways? 
yeah, I mean, I would love it if people would come out to the opening night. It's the opening film for Calgary Underground Film Festival. That's seven on November 24th as well while the festival's on. So that's November 24th to November 28th. The film is available online um, through Cuff. You can watch it as well. Perfect. And is there any uh, plans to take the film elsewhere after this premiere? After the premiere and uh, the Cuff opening in this winter, later in December, the film will be broadcasting on Super Channel. So I believe that goes across Canada. Awesome. That's great. Well, um, can you give us a little hint of um, where we can find more of your work and maybe what other documentary we should watch if we really enjoyed this one? Other documentary of mine in the same topic, for sure, Grandma Drive. You should watch that. It's a fun short documentary and I'm on the screen more than in this film. And that's that was a CBC short doc. So I think if you just type in CBC Grandma Alerts to Drive, it'll pop up for you quite easily. Um, and then through TELUS, I did another short documentary called The Ageless Athlete, where I followed a 63-year-old marathon runner, Martin Purnell, who lives out in Cochrane, as he tried to beat his marathon times from his 40s while he was in his 60s. So that's, wow. Yeah, that's another film in the, in the older adult sphere. And... Um, yeah, in terms of my films covering that, I would say that those are the best ones. And then a big influence of my work is uh, Frederick Wiseman uh, as an observational filmmaker. Those are some beautiful observational documentaries that if you have a Calgary library account through Canopy on Calgary Public Library, you can watch all of his films. And if you get into this documentary genre, there's uh, some, some amazing filmmakers and films in there. Well, thank you so much, Dominique. I'm uh, so excited to be at the premiere and meet you in real life, but I do appreciate you sitting down and talking with us. And um, yeah, and I hope people can uh, discover more about this unique subculture that we like to push away. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing the interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Anti-Culture. If you're new to the show, you can discover more and listen to full episodes for free wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube, or on my website, josiahpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a myriad of other cultures and people I think you'll find fascinating. You can also follow along for the rest of the season by subscribing to the show and following us on social media at Josiah Podcast. Your support means so much to us. To watch Dominique Keller's films and discover more about her amazing work, you can visit her website at dominiquekeller.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at domkeller. That's all for this week. I'll see you next time on the show as we kick off December with some more great episodes.